Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Books in the Biz. Today we are going on with our second interview, and this is going to be a second interview of four parts with Jay Gunnanen. He is the founder of Wrenchway, and Wrenchway is a company that helps supply talent to the automotive industry, automotive technicians. And we're going to learn from him in this part of the episode about how Wrenchway came to be. He'll give us a little bit of his background and uh, share some interesting stories with us. So check this one out, part one of our interview with Jay Gonanen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Books and the Biz. I am back here with Rich Veltry. Rich, how are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great, and we have another guest today, so we're, we're continuing our interview series, and I want to welcome Jay Gunnanen. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, so give you a little bit of background. Jay owns a company called Wrenchway, and from there, I will turn it over to you. I'm a car guy. I also know you, so a little <laughs> caveat, I, I've kind of followed your progression over the past several years, and... Uh, but you have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, and I think we can uh, definitely tie back and forth with some of the things that we're working on as well. So what is Wrenchway? Wrenchway is ultimately a job board for mechanics, or in our industry, we call them technicians, and that could be either on the automotive side or the diesel side, so on and off-road uh, diesel, so uh, construction equipment, ag equipment, truck uh, but ultimately, it's a it's a job board on steroids. So a technician can go out, really learn about what type of job they're going to be signing up for, in a way that really goes beyond what you would see in a in an Indeed ad or any other type of job posting. So really be able to share with them what the shop looks like, maybe some videos of of their staff to to get an idea of who they'll be working with. Uh, we actually uh, have an under the hood section that answers a whole bunch of questions about what they're signing up for, right? So a lot of questions that are elephant in the room types of questions that might not come up until after the interview, interview process is done and, and you've made a hire uh, and started somewhere. And uh, so hopefully we're answering those questions up front. Now, the other really cool side of the platform is we do a lot of work with schools. So we have a, a piece of the platform called School Connect. And basically the, the whole point of it is we want to grow these automotive diesel and collision departments within high schools and post-secondary technical schools. And uh, I think a lot of people talk in, in just general conversation about a lot of these tech ed programs going away. And what we see is that is in fact the truth, right? We're, we're not seeing shop classes in high schools like we, like we used to. I was actually just talking with a high school teacher a couple of weeks ago. And he said he's having to teach his kids what a screwdriver is when they're getting to high school. So it, it, when we look at there, there's a gigantic skills gap in our industry and mostly everywhere right now, right? But specifically to us, the technicians in the amount of jobs that are available to those technicians, there's a gigantic gap. So really trying to attack the core of the issue rather than trying to put a Band-Aid on it is really important to us. So we offer a free resource where schools can essentially go out and ask for things. So they can ask for donations for their program, even if they don't have an automotive program, right? If, if they need somebody to come speak to their class, uh, if they need uh, apprenticeship or job shadow type of opportunities, they can do it through the platform. And the hope is that we, we shine a light on all of the opportunities that this industry has to offer those young people. 
in hopes that we grow that community and, and really be able to get more people to, to fill these jobs that are desperately needed. Well, that's, that's quite a robust platform then compared to, you know, what you, as you point out with like Indeed and stuff like that. I also found it interesting that a lot of the things you were talking about weren't technical skills based when it came to the technician searching out companies. It, it sounded like a lot of it was cultural based. What type of people are they working with? What's the environment like? What can they expect to do? And you really don't see a lot of that in, in your traditional job postings. You don't. And I think that's what a lot of people want to see, right? Is because this is one of the biggest decisions they're going to make in their life. And especially with a technician, because most times they have a toolbox, they have their own tools. It's not like a white collar job where you can say, ah, screw it. I up and quit and I'm going to the next place. They have to move an entire toolbox. They have to move basically their life in a shop to a different location. And it's not easy to do. And if you've ever been in a shop and, and saw the amount of tools that some of these guys have, guys and girls have, it, it's a it's like moving a small house, right? Uh, it, there's so much there and so much pride in their tools and their, their toolbox. And so if you're moving it, you're, there's chance for damage. There's, there's just so much more that goes into it than a typical white collar job. Should also talk about the investment in that because I've seen the price of Snap-on tools. It ain't cheap. <laughs> no, there's plenty of technicians that have you know hundred thousand dollars plus of tools, especially on the diesel side. Uh, an average starting technician, you know, they can expect to, to invest five to ten thousand dollars right off the bat just to be able to do their job, which is kind of insane when you think about it. And I, I grew up in the industry. And it's just always been that way. You just always assume that you're going to buy the tools. And a lot of these people go into a great deal of debt to buy these tools and put themselves in a bad position. I've always scratched my head as I've grown up in the industry that the lowest paid person in the shop or dealership or wherever you're at is the one that has to make the most significant investment to do their job, uh, which is just at the end of the day, kind of kind of stinks. And it's just become uh, over the years an industry accepted practice. Uh, but we are starting to see more and more shops adapt in that capacity. So more and more either offering some type of tool reimbursement program. We're seeing uh, a lot of shops putting together entry level sets to get the, the person started. Uh, and they'll oftentimes tie that to some form of contract saying, hey, if you stay here for three years, you stay here for four years, the tools are yours after that. And so they're using it as a as some form of incentive to get them in the door, and then they can build on their tool collection after that. So uh, we actually had had just done a webinar about a month ago on that very topic, and I think we have to, as an industry, get a little bit more inviting to that young person. And one one last thing I'll, I'll mention is, so many in this industry are just really bad at onboarding and really bad at mentoring and bringing along and training that young person to actually understand what they're doing. Uh, ASE, who is uh, an accreditation association within the automotive and diesel world, uh, they have a stat that roughly 42% of technicians leave the industry within the first two years out of tech school. So we're essentially eating up and spitting out nearly half of our, our incoming audience, which doesn't seem like a recipe for success. That is pretty rough. Um, and you see that across a lot of organizations. I don't think it's unique to the automotive industry. I think 
if you look at most organizations, they all suffer the same fate because they're still in this 1950s mentality. Uh, now, Jay, you mentioned you were in the industry for a while. Well, you've pretty much grown up in the industry. Maybe give people a little bit of history on yourself and you know what what's given you this experience. Yeah, so I started off uh, almost involuntarily <laughs> at, a, at a really, really young age. My dad had been working at a shop uh, in Dodgeville, Wisconsin, and uh, another opportunity came up with the same owner to run a shop in Mineral Point, uh, Wisconsin, so neighboring towns. And so he did that. My, my dad is very, very young. He had me when he's 17 years old. So he went and uh, he managed that shop. One day the owner came to him and said, you know what? I'm, I don't want this location anymore. If you want it, it's basically yours, right? You just kind of take over the, the rent and, and whatever. So uh, he took over the shop at the ripe old age of, I want to say 26. Uh, oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. And so he was running it and didn't have any money, didn't have any help. And so it ended up with me just being in the shop in a, a little two-bay shop. It's actually still there in Mineral Point a little two bay shop where he's working, you know, 16 plus hours a day just to kind of keep the lights on. And so it resulted in kind of a, uh, a team of my great grandmother and myself answering the phones, doing deposit slips, doing all of this different stuff. I was nine years old. So I would answer the phone like, Dan's Auto Center, this is <laughs> it, just, it probably wasn't the most professional thing in the world, but I, I knew enough to be able to to get by, right? So I could yep. answer the answer the phones. I still to this day had, had used lessons that I learned from like when I was nine. I remember getting yelled at because I answered the phone and said hello. And my mom went crazy. Like, how would you do that? Why would you think that's okay? So uh just learned to never do that, but uh really started off there. And as dad was able to grow the business, um, I started to take more of a role in the shop. And so it started with just cleaning, uh, cleaning the shop and the office each night. So washing the floors, taking out the garbage, uh, a lot of probably a similar story to a lot of people where you start off with those kind of uh, uh, those jobs where maybe it's not the most desired job in the world, but I actually loved it. I, it was so peaceful at night in the shop by myself doing all of that. And eventually you kind of work your way in to actually working on cars. And, and so it's probably when I was 15 or 16 years old that I started working on cars, doing different things and um, eventually went off to tech school and uh, tech school to work on cars, uh, came back to work for my dad and found out that I was terrible at it. Uh, just wasn't, uh, wasn't very good. You were and, one of the 42%. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I was very much, very much. I like to say the industry put me in my place and it wasn't uh, supposed to be in a shop. So, uh, it, which is hard. I mean, when you're 20 years old and all you've done all your entire life is, uh, you've, you've watched people work on cars and it's been pretty much your life up until that point. It's a really hard pill to swallow because you're not good at it. And so, you know, at the time I really, really beat myself up a lot, but looking back, it's probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it really propelled me into different positions that led to uh, different types of sales and management types of positions, which far better suited my, my personality. I was far happier when I got to talk to people. Right. And, and I think in the back of my mind, even back then I, I knew I liked working on people and with people a lot more than I liked working on cars. 
but I still had a, a really, really deep passion for the industry. So uh, it, it kind of parlayed into different positions throughout the industry. I worked for uh, a manufacturer. Work, I was very lucky to work for a manufacturer. I think corporate America, I would recommend to any uh, young person getting into the industry, not only just this industry, any business, because it allows you to travel to places you'd never travel to. The training is far superior to a lot of other businesses. I think when I started at Bobcat, they put me through six months of pretty intense training. You're all over the U.S. going to different trainings, and they just did it the right way. And so when I got into the field and I was a, a, a territory rep in the Midwest, I was pretty confident going in. And of course, you learn lessons along the way, but uh, I was able to, I think, do a really good job there. And uh, that ultimately led me to uh, running the parts and service departments for a, a six or seven location. I can't even remember, six or seven location John Deere dealership in Wisconsin. And uh, at the age of 30, had a lot of employees. And that was kind of scary too. So uh, ultimately, through all of that, there was always this underlying issue that there wasn't enough technician talent to fill all of the roles that are, were out there. So uh, in 2017, my wife and I made the call to start our own business uh, and started a company called Find a Wrench in the basement of our house. And it was basically just me reaching out to industry contacts that I knew, knowing that there was a problem and recruiting technicians for them. It was more of a traditional recruiting type of firm and I was doing the recruiting, I was doing the selling, I was doing literally everything alongside a, uh, a newborn baby, my son, Bo. So uh, really was able to grow the company from there. Uh, it probably grew way too fast. I think when there's a, such a need, it's really hard to turn down business. And, and especially those early days, you're trying to cash flow any way that you can. And so you, we, probably took off more than we could, uh, we bit off more than we could chew, right? And uh, I think it, it hurt our customer service a little bit. Also, there's a problem where there's just not enough people. So you could do everything in your power to recruit people, but not be able to actually find the person for the shop. So uh, that led to us going to more of a technology offering, uh, merged with a buddy of mine in 2020 uh, to create Wrenchway, which is the platform that everybody sees today. So uh, sorry for the long-winded story, but kind of a, a lot of a lot of different steps to get to this point. Okay, that was our first part of the interview with Jay Gonan. Be sure to check out our second part coming up very soon.